From the high desert in Far East West Texas, this is the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. Uh, hi, I'm Robert Seidman, and uh, for the 833 of you who are still listening, no, I am not bailing out on the podcast. And joining me today to talk about the 2018 NFL schedule, our frequent frequent guest Ryan Glassbeagle from the Big Lead, and first time guest Patrick Crakes who uh, is a former executive in Fox Sports and now runs his own media consultancy. Patrick, welcome to the podcast. And Ryan, welcome back. Good to be uh, back. It's a, pleasure and, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here, Robert. I, I will strive to keep the 800 listeners uh, engaged. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. So uh, before going down the rabbit hole of the various uh, national schedules, uh, I wanted to talk first about NFL next week's NFL draft coverage. Uh, which this year will be on ESPN, NFL Network, and Fox's broadcast network. And this is really fun for me because I really have no idea uh, what I think will happen next week, and I keep changing my mind. And my default reset position is Fox will do about 2.5 to 3 million viewers for their draft coverage next Thursday because that's in the neighborhood of what they've been doing on Thursdays. Uh, But those viewers will not necessarily come at the expense of ESPN and the NFL or the NFL network. So overall draft coverage will be up and the NFL will be happy. And uh, in that mode, I don't think ESPN will really be all that miserable about it. But then I remember when ESPN simulcasted, simulcast its uh, one wild card round game on ABC, you know, 75% of the viewership is on ABC and uh, not on ESPN. And then I think, well, what if Fox does 6 million and the NFL will be very happy, but uh, ESPN might be, pretty miserable if that happens. So Patrick, I'm really curious. What do you think will happen? I, look, I think the Fox maneuver is additive to the universe. I think you're right. What it does is it increases your reach. I don't necessarily think it cannibalizes ESPN or NFL network. Um, I think Fox could do a big number and not impact ESPN. I mean, the objective of this, um, and the reason why I think everyone agreed to it and wanted to do it was they believed it was additive. So it's a good thing. These are all NFL partners. And I think that if you look at this year's schedule and the draft, what you're seeing is the NFL and its partners beginning to take an all-in look at the NFL, right? They're strategically committed to this property now, not just on pay TV and ad sales like ESPN. All of them have that model now, thanks to retrans and reverse retrans. So it's an additive. I don't necessarily think that ESPN and NFL Network would view it at all as bad if Fox did well. It's not Fox does well and they do bad, not zero sum. I view it as some sum. Uh, Ryan, anything? Well, uh, uh, NFL Network, it's not like it's going to be a simulcast with Fox. They're airing the same program. So I think that, like, to the extent that they lose anybody to Fox, they're all right with it. Uh, You know, it's it's definitely going to be additive in terms of the whole NFL draft viewership universe. But even, like, Seth Markman, who's in charge of the draft coverage for ESPN and all of ESPN's other NFL studio content, told Michael McCarthy of Sporting News that Fox coming in isn't ideal for us. And if that's what he's willing to say publicly, I think you can imagine some um, less reservation privately about how the ESPN side feels about Fox coming in here when... ESPN was really what, I mean, the NFL draft mattered zero in the eyes of the public, at least from a television perspective, before ESPN came in and started broadcasting it in the 80s and turning it into a juggernaut. But uh, 
I have no, I'm not even going to take a guess of the amount of millions of people that are going to watch this on Fox. I would say ESPN down five to ten percent because of it. I think that's a that's a that's a reasonable stake in the ground. I might say twenty percent, but we'll 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 see what happens. But. I don't think uh, ESPN is really going to be that pressed about it because uh, maybe for the first time ever on this podcast, I think there's something that uh, three people will agree about at the same time, and that's that uh, at least on paper, before the season starts, before there's any injuries, uh, ESPN's Monday night football schedule definitely looks better than it looks last year. And to me, you know, uh, especially sort of kind of hearing how how happy uh, Burke Magnus seems to be with the uh, with the NFL or how much uh, more more willing to discuss the NFL partnership Burke seems to be in the uh, in the Jimmy Pataro era. Uh, I wonder if it's a big win for for Jimmy Pataro this uh, Monday night football schedule, regardless of what happens with the draft. Uh, well, yeah, I definitely think that they got better. They, they, if you look at like their slate of games, it is not the best games in the world. Like they didn't get the Packers Patriots game. They didn't get one of the like they got one of like if you if you go from it from the perspective that they're gonna get a Steelers game and they're going to get a Cowboys game, the Steelers and Cowboys games that they got, they've got the. Cowboys playing the Titans and they've got the Steelers playing the Bucks. Those aren't in the top half of ideal games on those respective team schedules. The Bucks might be the worst game on the Steelers schedule, but Packers 49ers on Monday, October 15th is a better game on the schedule release day than any game that they had last year. You got to think that like Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have them like as a team in playoff contention. If you've got Aaron Rodgers healthy, that's a pretty good game. Here's what I my question for Patrick. So if we go by the assumption that Monday night football is up, Thursday night football is a little bit up because they took a little bit of the um of the one PM inventory from Fox and they took and then Fox at late Sunday afternoon and Sunday night football even, does that mean that like there, there's only a finite supply? So that has to mean that to the extent Monday night football is up, CBS's schedule is a little bit weaker? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think so, Ryan. I mean, I don't view necessarily – when I look at this year's schedule, I've got to give you know, Howard Katz and Michael North a lot of credit. I think they've begun to figure out how to program for this additional window. You're right. There's only any given week. There's only so much a inventory, right? That by itself can really fly the flag. And it's important to understand that the NFL made deals with all their network partners with an understanding of kind of the direction of the quality games that they were going to get in these prime windows. ESPN made a deal for inventory, and um, at a time when there was peak pay, you know, peak pay TV, and they've been successful with that. The quality of the games, you know, you can. You can say they haven't been good, but in general, you know, they've been kind of what they were agreed to in their agreement with the NFL. Now that as the NFL is looking forward and trying to figure out how to program more holistically for all these windows over the next four years before they enter the new right cycle, they have every incentive to, to help ESPN, not just because ESPN needs it, but because it makes sense for them to do that. So um, if you schedule it correctly and they have figured out how to do this, they've spread enough of the butter on the bread to make it more even. And um, it's going to help Monday Night Football. You know, for them, they're mostly 
uh, they need three or four tent poles. And then the rest of the schedule kind of rounds itself out as long as you have an anchor, right, a popular national team, which they kind of do. So they, th- this is a better schedule for them, and I think they're going to be happy. And, of course, you know, keeping Burke Magnus happy is one of the most important things in all of sports television. So that, that's a good thing. Um, but, um, but you know, when it comes to hurting CBS, I don't view it that way. You know, CBS has got a really, you know, CBS got a couple Fox Crossflex games for their national window, NFC matchups that look pretty good, which actually speaks to the future of where the NFL may take their scheduling processes. But I think CBS is all on schedule as good as well. I, I, I think this is a really good schedule for the NFL. I think the Thursday night football with a committed partner that views it as strategic and core is a big deal. And uh, I expect good things from this year's schedule all in. I agree with you, Patrick, as far as uh, the, the Monday night schedule goes. Um, overall, uh, my, my take was that the, uh, the, Monday night, the Monday night schedule is definitely better. Um, the Thursday night schedule is a little bit better, but you know how much of that little bit better comes at the expense of uh, some of the Fox windows, even if it's the 1 p.m. windows. Uh, I, I, think, I think that is how it got a little bit better. And then the Sunday night football, to me, looks just kind of like a wash. It was a good schedule last year It's a, on paper, and it's a good schedule this year on paper. I'm, I'm just wondering uh, your guys' thoughts on that. Patrick, you go first. Yeah, well, look, with Sunday night football, you know, Sunday night football is the priority when it comes to the prime windows. And it has mechanisms that the other prime windows don't have to flex scheduling to ensure that. Okay. So, you know, that's, that's obvious. I think that when you think about 1 PM, Robert, you got to remember that they've got a lot of games to schedule on those windows. So yeah. that's the place where you can move some stuff around and make do with regionalization. If you have the right kind of anchors, I mean, you just take uh, the Cowboys a little wider or, or, you know, uh, you take uh, uh, another the Packers a little wider and you can always fill in the blanks in neutral markets with a couple of those flagpole teams. So you can make that work. Improving the Thursday night schedule, in particular the Fox part of it, which you know matters, um, is a big deal, and they probably did take them from the 1 p.m. windows, but I don't think overall it makes a big difference in the end. I'm impressed with how they put this together, given uh, all the priorities they have, and it shows how experience and time can matter, and I do see them all working more cooperatively together, um, and uh, I'm, again, I'm optimistic about the schedule. Ryan? Um, what a couple of things I want to say about Thursday night football. I don't know the extent to which complaints about that. They kind of did this thing where we heard Fox lobbying that they were going to get good Thursday night games this year. They were very public about that. We've had already public comments from Eric Shanks and Michael Mulvihill, who's Fox sports researcher, uh, Peter King, said that he he thinks that like the Fox sports execs are going to be pouring champagne over the Thursday schedule. They got, I don't know how much like of the complaints with Thursday night football have to do with the fact that there's bad matchups versus the fact that we see these people, these gladiators need a full week or even more to recover from the last football game. And that no matter what teams you get on three days rest, it's not going to be the same type of quality football that you get on the Sunday and Monday packages. But beyond that, one other thing that I think is interesting is the NFL gave themselves bad games on their NFL network exclusive. This is what NFL network is going to be airing on their Thursday night games, Ravens, Bengals week two. I'm reading from Richard Deitch's piece on the schedule, uh, Jets, Browns week three, 
Texans Jets week 15 and Browns Broncos week 16. They did not give themselves, I mean, maybe Jets Texans has the potential to be decent if the Jets draft like Josh Rosen or Baker Mayfield and one of those two guys comes in and is good right away. And Deshaun Watson is back healthy and dynamic for Houston. But those other four games don't have a lot of intrigue to me. So I think that they gave themselves bad games, and that probably helped the rest of the package. And, and uh, I, I think that's pretty smart because, uh, you know, I think that between the simulcast and the crappy games, that's still going to be enough for uh, NFL Network to justify its uh, buck twenty-five a month or whatever it is these days uh, that, it's, that it's getting in affiliate fees. Uh, Patrick, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, for them, it's about inventory. Okay, so they've got the games, and you know, it dep- the quality of the game doesn't match that much. It doesn't matter that much. So, with NFL Network, that's a smart strategy to probably pursue. Um, when it comes to Fox and evaluating the Thursday schedule, I think it's really important to understand it's a new era, and that Thursday schedule has to be evaluated in the context of the Sunday national window. Right. Fox Acquired has a completely different, you know, we've now got all the packages aligned with their network, with their respective network strategies, right? And Fox has a new strategy. They turned the table over in the sale to Disney, the potential sale to Disney. And now they're all about prime time with engaging content that has to be watched live. So Thursday night football is a primetime NFL. It works differently than Sunday daytime NFL for advertisers. It's, it, the, having a different time period matters to advertisers. If you had multiple prime windows, it's not as valuable, I don't think, as having a prime window and a Sunday day window. You have to evaluate Fox now in the context of the two packages. And in the context of the two packages, when you look at what the objective is from a business perspective, which is to lever retransmission and reverse retransmission fees from distributors, it's a big win. And so they've got what they've needed to monetize. And that was the goal. So you can't just look at it as Thursday night football from a business perspective. You have to look at it with the Sunday window. And people aren't used to doing that, but I, I think they will get used to doing it because it's the strategy. And I think that's what they're so happy about. Right. Ryan, anything to add yeah, on to that? Yeah, you, you mentioned the sale of their assets to Disney. Uh, they're, they're going to be losing all their energy not losing, but selling all their entertainment assets. And in addition to that, they're going, as you know, both know, they're going to be getting rid of, if, if the deal goes through a structure, there's a very, very wildly profitable Fox Sports Regional and Sports Networks. And so the NFL, as a like, when you look, Fox has always had been tied up with the NFL and its identity since, they started the Fox Sunday package, but with the with the leaner Fox, the NFL is just a gigantic part of the network's identity because the really all the company is going to be when it comes down to it is it's going to be NFL, MLB playoffs, Big Ten, and Fox News, and then maybe WWE if they get those rights, maybe partly UFC, but those are kind of secondary to the other things we named. So I think that's, the, we've, I, at least as far as I've been observing it, I've never seen the Fox executives take a victory lap about the NFL games that they got before this year. And I think that that's reflective of really how 
important the NFL is to their what their new core business is going to be. Okay, so Patrick, I'm not going to let you answer this because I don't want to get you in any trouble. But I, I dismiss it. <laughs> I I dismiss all the PR blather. I I just I just don't pay any attention to that at all. I think that the uh, that the, the the business strategy for Fox is very interesting. I understand what they're trying to do, and uh, I I I you know uh, versus other alternatives they had. I, I like the options, but, uh, you know, also I think about, uh, you know, although from Fox's perspective, um, I think they definitely improved their, their lot in life versus last year in, in any variety of ways. Uh, the question for me remains, um, what will happen overall for the NFL in the aggregate? And if I have to guess in the aggregate, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to just go down five to 10% again, cause that's, that's the trend. And I, I just don't see anything getting in the way of that trend. They, um, they've got, go ahead, Ryan. They've got these exciting new play- They have more exciting, like, new players with name value coming into the league than any year in recent memory with, like, I mentioned Rosen and Mayfield. There's going to be a lot of intrigue over Sam Darnold, like, quarterback from UFC. Lamar Jackson is a former Heisman winner. He's going to be a late first, early second round pick, and there's a lot of noise about him. Saquon Barkley could be Ezekiel Elliott part two, hopefully without the off the field warts. Even Josh Allen, like there's just wildly disparate opinions about him and that drives interest. So I think that the new players coming in is going to be extraordinarily helpful to the NFL on the margins this year. Do you agree with that, Patrick? Um, I think the NFL is, look, I think the addition of Thursday Night Football and the change in strategy makes Fox's all-in ratings very interesting. Remember, for, for 20 years, the philosophy at Fox was that you didn't need primetime entertainment promotion for sports generally, right? right? Sports self-started. Now that the strategy is sports, news, reality, whatever you're putting up there, um, the kind of promotional inventory that they'll have to promote to Thursday night and then also out of Thursday night into Sunday, at Friday and Saturday. Remember, they have a slate of big college football games for Friday night. They've got a huge college, uh, college inventory on Saturday. And then they've got Sunday. Th- this all promotes to itself. So that's, we're going to find out just how effective that is. I, I do think that this is the year we discover what the decline looks like, right? Is it a secular 2% or is it something more aggressive? What's the slope of that decline? Um, but from Fox's perspective, the impact of promotion and kind of this is the tip of the spear, like Ryan said, look, the tip of the spear for Fox's new strategy is sports, and it's heavily invested in football and the fourth quarter, where the usage levels are the highest, or, or, or advertisers are spending the most money for Christmas. Fox has got the best platform. Last year, they rolled out We Own the Fall. I mean, I've got to hand it to them. They've executed on that strategy. And by the way, it took them about 10 minutes after that Disney sale to dust off the Thursday night football model and go out and get it because, because suddenly it changed, right? I mean, things change. And most importantly, what changed was the need to air that entertainment programming. When people talk about the $600 million or something that they paid for Thursday night football, remember, that's money that's probably coming from not investing in prime entertainment programming. Yep. So from a P&L perspective, you're just pushing things around. You're not necessarily out. So I, uh, but I, I agree with you, Ryan. I think Fox has got an opportunity. I think the NFL's got an opportunity this year, and we're going to get a lot of questions answered about what the next right cycle is going to look like because of where we think the viewing's going for the NFL. So uh, Ryan, of of all the stuff you've looked at in the schedule, and I I know uh, you guys at the the big lead, you know, had your your draft of games going in. 
Uh, what's the most surprising thing about any of the scheduling to you? Uh, it was what I said before with the NFL Network giving themselves bad games. And, you know, I think I was surprised about the extent to which that Monday Night Football improved. The it, I think it's far and away on paper better than the schedule we've seen on release day the last three seasons. And, you know, we, we've heard a lot about, just like we've heard the Fox publicly, like, boasting about their schedule. We've heard a lot publicly about ESPN trying to reconcile their relationship with the league in the transition from John Skipper to Jimmy Pitara. We, I don't know how many times now we've seen Burke Magnus talk about how important it is. It's at least three or four. Yeah. And like we, it's just, they, they were, I, I was impressed that they were able to get, a better Monday night football situation this year. I thought maybe it could happen next year if the NFL took like a wait and see about the extent to which ESPN tempered its journalism and its commentary. And by the way, there are a lot of people at ESPN who are not happy that, that they are now reversing course and bending over for the league, or at least, making it look like they want to do that. But that's a whole other story. But I, to going back to it, I was surprised that the NFL already gave ESPN that type of slate before, A, they saw what, the, what ESPN's journalism and commentary for the NFL look like over the next year, and B, we don't even have their announcer team set up. Yeah, I have to be honest, like when, uh, I, you know, it was maybe a couple of months ago or, or whenever, maybe it was longer ago, when, when Jim Miller was talking about that uh, that the Monday night, the, the relationship with the NFL would probably get better with uh, Pataro. I did not really have a, the idea that it was so, so bad before, uh, but the, the communications from Burke and just some other stuff that, that you mentioned, it makes me think it really was you know, pretty bad last year, their, their relationship with the NFL. And it seems like, uh, you know, the, the, the change at the top really did uh, improve that relationship very, very rapidly, at least from the NFL's perspective. Uh, if, if, if you want to read the tea leaves, uh, which I kind of like reading the tea leaves sometimes, stupid as it is. I think that both sides, you know, it's a different era. When the original Monday Night Football moved from ABC to ESPN, there was a different model and you optimized on pay TV, right? And that's what Monday Night Football was created to do. That's what Maneuver was all about. Now it's a little different. Well, actually, it's a lot different, okay? We've got cord cutting in the pay TV universe, and now suddenly we've got the emergence of broad, re-emergence of broadcast television that reaches everybody with a high-quality signal, and those stations turning out to be core to the launch of virtual bundles, and also just the fact that anybody who cuts the cord can keep a broadband connection and still get a bunch of channels thanks to digital transmission. And so, you know, the, 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 it, the strategies change. So ESPN doesn't want to lose the NFL, I don't think. And, you know, no, no affiliate salesperson said, hey, go out and lose me some of my flagship content. Nobody ever said that ever. At the same time, the NFL, I think, is taking a look at the future and saying to themselves, this package is not going to be able to be sold the same way it was 10 years ago. 
when we go into the next right cycle. So, and we also have a partner in ESPN that is going, that looks like to remain very, very powerful and viable, Rich Greenfield, uh, God bless him aside. <laughs> and I think that, that when, they, when, they, when they take a look at that and think about that, they both have incentives to cooperate and stay partners, certainly for the next four years and, and maybe even beyond that. Yeah. Brian? The, well, yeah, I, I, you know, I would love to some, I know the world doesn't work this way, I would love to observe ESPN in two different directions. One where it doubles down on the league and really tries to have a collaborative partnership. And one where they follow the model that Jim Miller wrote about in Hollywood Reporter, where they would divest themselves of the NFL rights and just go on a bidding spree, getting basically everything else, the big 12, the NHL, yada, yada, yada. And that would have been really fascinating to see if how, like, like whether the NFL would be able to make up that $1.9 billion from another outlet, and then whether ESPN, as an all-sports-heavy except NFL network, could have endured. So you want the sliding doors version of Monday Night Football, where you get to, you get to see both movies play out. Yes, but uh, the, the <laughs> life doesn't work that way. Yeah, I, I, I you know, I, I have to admit, I'd, I'd like to see, I'd like to be able to watch both of those uh, play out as well. Patrick, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I, look, I think from a strategic standpoint, it makes sense for for ESPN to think about how they position themselves. Look, as a strategist, you have to think about not what only what can go right, but what can go wrong. And um, I think there's a huge incentive for the partners to stay together. I do. Um, but what, what if you can't work it out? Um, what if you have a huge a bidder with, uh, from, from a huge bid from a tech company? It just becomes unrealistic that you're going to keep the property. So ESPN, I think, will continue to make moves to strengthen their negotiations. I'll believe that when I see it. Um, and I think, okay, well, I, I think that, you know, that just makes sense, right, from an overall strategic perspective. At the same time, I don't think that anybody wants to lose the NFL. I mean, I just don't believe that. And, um, and so I, I think everyone has an incentive, and I don't think the NFL is necessarily looking to switch partners everywhere. Um, I think the next four years are going to be very telling, and they've got the Thursday package in place. They've successfully done it. Um, they've got the bread on the butter, probably about as best as, they, best as they can get it going. And we're going to sort out a couple things over the next couple years, and everybody's going to be positioning themselves with new strategies to help set the stage for 2021 when they're going to figure out a new distribution package. Uh, and if I was ESPN, I'd be getting more involved with inventory that enables me to be more flexible in negotiations. That's just strategy 101. Yeah. You know, Ryan, be, uh, when you did your, your draft of 75, like, did, have you looked at, uh, you know, what are the, what are the games that actually got, got good windows? Uh, what's the biggest surprise that, that wasn't on your list that is actually a highly coveted game? Do you, do you have any surprises from, from what your draft versus the actual outcome? No, I think that we knew that we picked not... We, we rated the TV networks as one quarter and kind of like football fan, like core football fan enthusiasm for the games as three quarters. And so we were warned that we had like too many Jaguars games up top, et cetera, et cetera. Not enough Cowboys, not enough Vikings, not enough Bears. So 
I don't think that I was surprised by how anything shook out from a TV perspective. So my, my question for you is if, if, you know, if you, if you, if you think that, you know, at, at their heart of hearts, you know, the, the, the TV networks are trying to get ratings and, and, and ratings that draw big are drawing the core fans. Why wouldn't you figure that Redskins at Cowboys was going to be, you know, the Thanksgiving game? Like I would have figured that would be the Thanksgiving game, even in that model. So, it, so in that way, like, I, I really feel like you discount what the core fan actually does. Mm, I just think Washington's going to be really bad this year. <laughs> and by Thanksgiving, they're going to be, what is Thanksgiving? Like week 11? So they 12, could be, 12. week 12. Uh, it's week 12. So they could be two and nine at that point. And at that it is, a, is Cowboys versus Washington. Like granted, they've had a long-term rivalry. They're division rivals. The Cowboys should be better if Tyron Smith is healthy and Ezekiel Elliott doesn't do anything to make him miss six games again. You'd expect just qualitatively them to have a bounce back. But if let's say the the Cowboys are seven and three and Washington is two and ten. I think that's I think that's like that's that's too down in the weeds for me because Pat Patrick, from from your perspective is there any Cowboys versus NFC East team that's not that's not desirable? Does that even exist from a from um, from a from a network perspective? Uh, directionally, no. Um, now you could invent scenarios, okay, where it looks like you're clubbing baby seals or something in Week 16. <laughs> um, but even then, the Cowboys are a story. I mean, if they're running up the score or, or they're getting the score run up on them, one of the fascinating things about the Dallas Cowboys is whatever they do, they still can carry the flag. And it's, it's fascinating. I don't think there's much like it elsewhere else. I mean, that brand works when they're winning and when LeBron. they're losing. Yeah, LeBron maybe, yeah. But you know, I think that from a general perspective, it's important to understand that Brian, I think, was looking at, like, are these good matchups? Is this going to be fun? Right? Is, are these, is this going to be a good game? Good game and high ratings do not always correlate. Um, yeah, but the, but and the, a lot but of that the, has to do, you know, so. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's just the interesting thing to me, you know. So, so I think that they actually, they actually correlate more than people want to admit and that people just don't want to admit that sometimes we like crap. I mean, because that's actually what we like. I mean, it's, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm really not trying to like put any fancy snarky spin on that. Like we, we say we like certain stuff, but how we actually act, you know, often tells another story. And I wonder if the story is, uh, at least like in terms of, uh, of, of how, uh, uh Ryan and Jason's list went was that the, uh, whatever the Dallas Cowboys mystique is, it's real and it needs to be somehow inserted into the fan consciousness because it is there. We see that with the topic selection on the debate shows. Uh, say more. <laughs> Do you think we're going to see a day between August 1st and whatever the Super Bowl is, February something, that they don't discuss the Cowboys are undisputed? I would say no. So uh, I think that's that a, that's a, it's the, the chicken... It's, it's a chicken and egg discussion to me, though. Like, is you know, is that is 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 it? Are they doing that because that's what you want, or is that what you want because they're doing it? I think they're doing that because that's what we want. 
that that's that's my take. I mean, that that is a subjective opinion, but that's my take on that. Patrick, any any thoughts there? I think when it comes to debate shows, there's a small core half million million dollar um, half half a million million viewer audience that wants that, and that you can build you can build TV programming on that during the daytime Monday through Friday. When it comes to the larger picture, right, with the especially with the NFL. Uh, you know, look, um, if I ever teach a college class, I'm going to create the, you know, at sports TV ratings, crap theory of TV programming, um, which basically <laughs> is we like to watch crap, but it's a little more complicated than that in the sense that the way the NFC East is distributed in the big markets with their histories of rivalries, they're kind of baked in. I mean, the giants can, can be underperforming and still be in a huge can impact the national ratings. And that's just the math. And that's a business issue. So you have an incentive, right? You're going to draw a certain number of viewers with an NFC matchup, regardless of its quality within reason. And that has to be taken into account. Um, and the NFC East, because of its history and because of, and because of its large markets and, and people leave large markets and go live in other places like Los Angeles, they have strong national brands. And so it works really well to put an NFC matchup in Los Angeles, for example. Um, and so, you know, with, with regards to Thanksgiving, I think it's a great matchup. I mean, I think it'll do very well. It's a captive audience. These teams don't like each other. We all know the history. If they're just 500, it's going to be a great number. Right. Right. So, uh, I'll, uh, I'll get you out of here on uh, this one, both. I'll, I'll start with you, uh, Patrick, Patrick, what is the, uh, what is the sports media related topic? That, uh, you know, over the, the period of, say, the next four to six weeks uh, is the, the most interesting to you. What are you watching right now? Well, I think what really happens with the UFC is going to be pretty interesting. That's really immediately, you know, that, that's, that's very topical at the moment. What does that distribution plan look like? Um, it's really the biggest game. In, you know, it's the only game in town at the moment. And so that is that, where that <clears throat> settling out is, is important. I would say also directionally, and I would say this is an ongoing thing for the next couple of years is we're all waiting for the um, tech or, you know, the giants to jump in and start bidding for sports rights because they want to up their engagement across every single one of them wants to up their engagement across platforms. To date, we haven't had anybody turn the table over despite everyone telling us that's going to happen from the UK premier league rights um, where Amazon and Facebook didn't appear um, to even the UFC. Um, we're done. We haven't seen them yet. So what's their move? What's their game? We've seen smaller deals. They're out there. You know, when's that happen? It could happen at any moment. Um, it could happen with the UFC tomorrow. Yeah. You know, so those are the two things I would think I would look at both very short term and medium term. Ryan, how about you? Well, do you have the thing like Facebook and YouTube, most of their content is free. Like Netflix pays for content. Amazon pays for some content, but like, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube are user-generated content that they really don't have to pay for. So that's why I think you see them hesitant to make some of these bigger deals with the league. Um, you, so I, I think that the WWE rights are at least as big, if not a bigger deal, than UFC because they get a bigger audience week to week. And... It seems like all all the TVs sure seem to indicate that that is going to be going to Fox. I know NBC has the the right to match it, but I, I think 
every time I'm on this podcast, Robert tells me that there is a belief that their audience is poor and unsophisticated. And I just think that Fox would be better able to sell a story that that's not true and that and up their advertising rates with, with the way that like Fox resonates across middle America, whether it's Fox News or like the Simpsons or NFL, I just think like Fox is kind of the Americana network. And I, and then my belief is that they would be able to do a better job selling WWE's large audience than NBC universal is able to. So I uh, just, just to clarify um, what I've ever said about the, the, the WWE fan base. Uh, all I, all I said was that uh, the, the last time, which was long, long ago, uh, when I when I used to see a demographic data that included a household income, you know, for for the various uh, sports, uh, they were they were definitely on the low end of the household income spectrum rel- relative to NFL, NBA, MLB, etc. Uh, I don't know whether that's still true or not. I haven't seen any of those numbers in in a, in a long time. Uh, but uh, but that you know that that sentiment is out there. Uh, and Ryan, you know what? I would agree with you if they were doing all this stuff on Fox news. I don't know if I agree that it's any easier to sell on uh, Fox broadcast. Do you think, what do you think, Patrick? Um, look, with regard to WWE, I would agree with you where they land is actually important because of Fox's new strategy. Remember if they move off of USA and go over to Fox on Monday nights, um, they're going to go, the ratings are going to go up 30% just because of distribution. Um, I think that it's a little easier for them to bring in larger advertisers on a broadcast television network, and they care less about the stickiness um, because they just need a big lead-in for their affiliates' local news, and then kind of it's good. So, I mean, it's great to be sticky, but I think in that strategy it makes a lot of sense. And then FS1 gets a show on Tuesday night, and that works out well, and plus they get the library. Um, but yeah, they don't, I, have, I they don't general, have the space right now for three-hour Raw, though. They don't, you know, the affiliate's going to get back uh, right. uh, 10 p.m. or that that going to go to FS1. I mean, all that stuff would be pretty interesting. Uh, how they would yeah. uh, that would be fascinating if they did it, 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 for it, the first two hours on Fox and then it moved to FS1. Yeah, look, I I, I would be but prepared I think to more bet. Likely they would do a two-hour show. Yeah, I, I'd be prepared to bet Ryan's house on the fact that the affiliates will never give back that 10 p.m. hour. That's the strategic news position they get to jump on everybody else in the marketplace. That's a 30-year strategy that's worked out very well for Fox. By the way, it's part of the new strategy, owning stations, local news, right? Um, But So I would think that they would pitch over to FS1. It's always tricky when you toss over to a sister network. It never quite works the way you want it to. But in this case, I think this fan base would flip over, and I think FS1 would be excited. One of the key questions in this WWE thing is, is what is the value really to, of WWE to USA? And nobody really knows that, right? So if you're NBC, you're sitting there thinking about, I've got this program. It does 3 million viewers. It's strategic. Um, despite of what, what people may say about the audience, we have our own strategic you know, business model about that. But you know, what is the percentage of the sub fee for USA that's attributable to WWE in a negotiation with the distributor? And that's the question that has to be answered. Nobody knows that. Number one, because you know, that's the value of USA. And um, it could impact it materially almost immediately. And, um, and for FS1 and Fox, that's also a factor because that, that number is going to be used as leverage in retrans and reverse retrans for broadcast television and for negotiations with paid TV providers for FS1. So that's the key question that nobody knows and only NBC can answer. So, 
Okay, so so Ryan, I'm gonna get you out of here with one more thing. And Patrick, you you can you can weigh in if you want, but I I doubt you'll want to. So so far, I'm not asking you if you're surprised at the ratings for Get Up. I am asking you, are you surprised at the interest level in the ratings for Get Up, positively or negatively? So the it, the post did like pretty good traffic for us yesterday. That I did for everyone who didn't read it. I did the there were. 12 days of get up so far. And then there had been 10 corresponding episodes of first take. And what I found was that get up was down 16 and a half percent year over year versus sports center in the same time slot. First take was down five and a half percent. And the, uh, this post was our highest traffic post yesterday. It doubled anything else, but it was a really slow day. Uh, I think it it came in right about where I was expecting the interest to. There are, for whatever reason, there are about, uh, there were 300,000 some odd people who watched Morning Sports Center every day and it was a part of their routine. And I don't think that these people are very happy with the alternative that they've been provided. Now, you can be like, well, just switch to ESPN too. But for whatever reason, <laughs> And I've got people who are sports fans, but not in the sports media bubble that have complained to me about this. And they think that switching from ESPN to ESPN2 is an arduous task. And look, I don't know how they make it better from here. It's been a really bad story so far. The it, there, I don't know how much time they're going to get to develop chemistry. They don't have the luxury that... For example, like Highly Questionable was on ESPN2 for years with Dan and Poppy, and it got time to like form an identity. And then Bomani joined it. it. It started doing better on ESPN2 to the extent they could put it on ESPN. But Get Up isn't the type of show with the amount they invested in it that is going to get several years to discover its identity. And... They, Bill Wolf told Kevin Draper of the New York Times, we need to grow the audience. Well, I don't think that anybody could have, even like doomsdayers, could have thought it would be down as much as it is with the amount that they're spending on it, on those talents and New York studio and the union production costs. And so I don't I'm a know do, what I'm a do doomsday. It. it seems I'm like a real... I was just going to say, I'm a doomsdayer. I'm not surprised at the numbers. I, I, I mean, they're they're down a little bit more than I thought they'd be, but they're they're not. I mean, I, I, in, in this TV environment, I I really don't find uh, the, the the numbers that surprising. I understand that the uh, the expense of the show for you guys is uh, you know the salaries and all that stuff. The cost of the studio is something that you really gravitate to as a media story, but it's just the kind of thing that the viewers don't care about at all. It doesn't. It's it's not stuff that resonates with viewers. Mm-hmm. Well, that yeah, Holly, like those, whoever put those numbers out in the Hollywood Reporter made a big miscalculation because whether it was from the talent's representation at CAA or the ESPN talent department, one of those sides had to confirm that number for it to be reported. And it put, even though I think you could have reasonably expected that they made that much money. It put a bullseye on their back, at least from the people that I see who are engaged with these stories digitally. Oh, I totally get it. And I understand, I understand why it happens like, but it just doesn't, it, it really doesn't and shouldn't influence 
uh, rate, actual ratings analysis is, is I guess, how, how I think about it. Pa- Patrick, do you want to continue like, on that uh, without sorry, getting ahead, in trouble? Patrick. Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. Look, they committed, they committed to a strategic direction. The costs are, are really there already. Okay, so from a strategic budgeting perspective, you know, that, that it's done. The ship has sailed. They've committed to a strategic idea. The ratings are down 10, 15% from what they had before. That's not enough to affect the total day average of ESPN at all. Um, we're talking about 30,000 viewers. Do you want the ratings to be higher? Do you want to get north of a half million where I think is like what success for a show like this should be? Yep. Yes. Um, but because you've committed strategically to this, I'm, I'm far more comfortable worrying about the creative direction and taking a much longer view if I was in their position, simply because um, we believe that this is engaging. The ratings have only gone down 10%, and we've totally changed the programming genre. We've gone from sports news to sports entertainment, uh, a very different kind of show. Um, and we've got competitors out there that we've never had before. Um, maybe, we, maybe we need to make some changes. Maybe we need to give it time. But I don't see them – I mean, I would, I would let it breathe. And I would work on it. That would be my suggestion. Yep. So Ryan, I don't know if you saw this. Some somebody had uh, sent me that, that, that you know they they wondered whether it would even if Get Up would uh, even even make it to uh, to NFL season. And I responded, I will be shocked, uh, pretty shocked anyway, if it doesn't if it's not on you know the first Monday after NFL season begins. Uh, w- w- what's your take on 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 the air September tenth or no? I think it is, but it actually wouldn't surprise me if one or Greeny or Beetle is gone from it even that soon. Wow. Wow. Hey, Patrick, Ryan. I I want to be clear. I don't have inside information on that. That is is speculation. That is not reported opinion. Patrick, anything to add on on to that? Um, Again, just in the context of what they've committed to directionally, you have to wait for Monday Night Football. I mean, that's, that's, that's one of the key reasons why you're doing the morning show. People turn off the TV on Monday Night Football and exactly. they turn it on the next morning, and there it is. That's the old ABC TGIF uh, Saturday Kids thing back in the day, back in the 90s. TGIF doing these huge numbers with teens and kids, and then ABC uh, Saturday morning shows when they used to exist. They yeah. do huge numbers simply because you turn on the TV. Hey, and you, you do see that it still exists, I mean, even at a slightly smaller scale, because we, we definitely definitely saw – a lot of that with the uh, the Cubs games on FS1 and the uh, you know the undisputed numbers the uh, the mornings after that even even had a had a bounce at that level for sure for sure Ryan Patrick thanks for joining the podcast all right thank you appreciate it we'll do it again soon hopefully my pleasure thanks for having me thanks again to Patrick and Ryan for joining the podcast right after uh, we finished our call uh, John Oran of the Sports Business Journal published a story that uh, Fox might have to bounce one or two games from their Thursday night football package uh, to FS1 on cable uh, because of some of the baseball scheduling. And that will be very interesting to see if that happens. I'm interested in a a couple of aspects. One, sort of what the difference in ratings actually is between FS1 and Fox. And two, uh, whether in that scenario NFL Network would still simulcast the game. Uh, Anyway, you can find all the past podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, RSS, and SportsTVRatings.com. Thanks for listening.